0: Tappers, what's up? It is the Monday edition of the Daily Tap. We are talking bucks. We are reacting to game one. Talking about why Mike Budenholzer is not the scapegoat that I think everybody thinks he is. So we'll get into that. We'll talk a little bit about game two as well. And that'll probably be the show today. And I'll explain to you why in a second here. We are running a little uh, tight on time uh, today, not how I would have wanted it. Um, I have to to do a better job of that on my end. I was watching the U.S. soccer game. It ran very long. It was a three-hour game. It was awesome, first of all. It was one of the best sporting events I've watched in some time um, and really made me happy about the future of soccer um, and definitely was one of the multiple things that have kept the Bucks out of the headlines probably nationally today along with the Floyd Mayweather fight along with the Yankees getting swept along with the Sixers losing so I do appreciate U.S. soccer kind of keeping the heat off the Bucks, but it led to me running out of time yesterday and then today I had something this morning, so I like to get a gym workout in before the day job starts, and here we are. But we do have something fun coming up this week. I'll talk about that at the tail end. Let's waste no more time, though. Let's talk about the Bucks. Like I said, short show today, back tomorrow with a larger show, um, and I'll explain that at the end. The Bucks obviously lost game one. It was not the game I think that a lot of us expected, maybe we did, maybe some of us did, maybe the pessimistic Bucks fans thought that, all right, there's gonna be sort of a reckoning here in game number one. But I think every one of us felt pretty confident heading into this game, right? I think a lot of us felt like the Bucs were in a really good spot. And it started off great. I mean, the Bucs got off to a really hot start and really started to kind of feel themselves. Now, I think that was partly due to the fact James Harden went out with a hamstring injury in the first minute of the game. And so when Harden went out, it was a little bit of a shell shock for Brooklyn to kind of pull it together. Then As the game went on, Brooklyn sort of figured it out without Harden. They've done that before. Blake Griffin assumed the role of James Harden in a weird way with how well he played in this game. Blake Griffin had 19, 18 points, 14 rebounds. He hit four threes. He was everywhere. He played really well in this basketball game and helped contribute to what the Brooklyn Nets did in this game. And if you're looking for a Jay Crowder, Fred Van VanVleet candidate, it might be Blake Griffin at through Game One. Now, granted, it's Game One. We have a long way to go. It could be that. It couldn't. It might not be. You hope that the Bucks will adjust. And a lot of criticism immediately came to Mike Budenholzer after this Bucks loss and after the Bucks sort of got. Sh- I guess, blown out in the second half. I mean, let's remember, this game was a two-point game heading to the second half. The Bucs really hadn't played well. And it, if they just held their water, they might've been all right. But then getting beat by 12 in the third quarter, and then the fourth quarter was a complete shit show for Milwaukee. Even though they outscored the Nets by six, it was, it did not, was not indicative of that, right? There was a lot of garbage time. And Milwaukee really played poorly, and a lot of people were rushing to blame Mike Budenholzer because of his rotations were all off and they did not make sense. Now I think there is a worthy case for that, but I but before we talk about that case, I I think we got to take a step back here, and we can't always blame Mike Budenholzer for the faults of the Milwaukee Bucks. We just can't. It cannot happen. Like. This idea that Mike Budenholzer is always the one to blame for why the Bucs lose is a bad way to be a fan. It just is. It's like blaming the refs, but at another level. It's like, oh, if we had a better coach, we'd be all right. Like I saw Mark Cuban's comments about, we are not gonna make a change with Rick Carlisle after a game seven loss. We're not gonna make a change unless we really feel like there is someone better than Rick to do this job. It's never there's never a case where the grass is always greener it's rare that the case where the grass is always greener this idea that someone else could come in and fix the bucks now rick carlisle actually might be able to be better than mike budenholzer i think rick carlisle would definitely be a guy that i would say is better than mike budenholzer as an nba coach but this idea that Bud is a worse coach than Steve Nash is far from the truth. Mike Buser has had success against Mike D'Antoni, which is basically what Steve Nash is running. He's he's working on a system that is similar to what D'Antoni ran in Phoenix as well as Houston and New York too if you want to remember those bad years. So I'm not I am not ready to just be like, all right, we are so at a disadvantage because Mike Budenholzer is our coach. No, that's not the case. The fact is, is like Mike Budenholzer is not did not have a good game. Okay. I will admit that. If we still were doing star ratings on the blog, Mike Budenholzer would probably have got a one star. Don't get me wrong there. But to just immediately forget the fact the Bucks made six threes and were six of thirty from three, or forget the fact that the Bucks missed eight free throws, or that the Bucks turned the ball over fourteen times, none of that is Mike Budenholzer's fault. None of that falls on Mike Budenholzer, and the perspective that is needed there is that Bucks fans can't seem to blame their own guys. They can't seem to blame. Giannis Kumbo for having a, a minus seven PER and having five turnovers in his game. Now he had 34 and 11, but he had some really bad three-pointers. He only got to the free throw line three times. No Bucs player got to the line more than three times in this game. Now, could you say that that was the referees because they were giving the Bucks nothing? I'm willing to contend that, but the fact of the matter is, is like how how are the Bucs supposed to win basketball games when Giannis has got to the line three times, he missed all three shots, Middleton got to the line twice, Holiday got to the line three times. How, how is that winning basketball? You're not going to win basketball games when you're getting to the line 19 times. Now, granted, Brooklyn only got to the line nine times, so maybe it was just how the refs were calling the game. But make the refs call fouls. Make the refs be the ones to to make these decisions. The Bucks weren't doing that and the Bucks also weren't hitting shots. And so Middleton was 6 of 23, Holiday was 7 of 19. That's bad. If we do the math on that really quickly here, they were 13 of 42. That's not going to win basketball games in any capacity. Even if Mike Budenholzer coached his fucking ass off, you're not going to you're not going to win games with that. You just aren't. The bench was non-existent. Bobby Portis was terrible. Pat Conton was bad. Bryn Forbes was off. First bad Bryn Forbes game all all playoffs. So when you have nothing from your bench, you have Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday not scoring, you're going to lose that game. So I get the idea that Mike Bruner did not coach a good game and I'll talk a little bit about adjustments here in a second and why I think he did what he did and how he overthought how he outthought himself. I'll talk about that in a second because I'll bring that in. But we can't always scapegoat Mike Boonoser. We just can't. It is not it's not how you should fan. And I, I hate policing the fans, right? I hate doing that. But the fact that we are just ready to throw the baby out of the bathwater because the guy did not coach as well as he did against Miami is fucking ridiculous. It's it's a seven game series. Would you like to win everything? Yeah, we would. But guess what? Brooklyn's one of the best teams. It's it's called the NBA Finals between Brooklyn and Milwaukee for a reason. Okay, I, and this shit just drives me crazy. It does, and it's like there's no accountability. No one's willing to say, "All right, yeah, maybe Middleton and Holiday didn't play well. If we Middleton and Holiday get going, we're gonna win this basketball game. We'd win. To, we'd win on Saturday." But no one did that. So, just, just find a new slant sometimes. All right, just do that for me, can you? All right, let's talk about Bud's follies because there were some things that Mike Budenholzer deserves to be criticized on and wonder about going forward. Mike Boonholzer had some issues with not playing his starters enough together. I think it was only 27 minutes that these guys played together. Giannis Antetokounmpo only played 38 minutes. Chris Middleton played, or 35. He would have played 38 had it been, he played the full fourth quarter. Chris Middleton, 36, Holiday, 37. Now, if you go into comparison, Kyrie played 45, Durant played 40. Blake Griffin played 35. Mike James actually got into the 30s as well. So you had some guys that that really sort of stepped up. I expect Mike James to probably be starting for James Harden on, on Monday night. But Mike Bunolzer overthought himself. I think what Mike Boonholzer was trying to do, and this is me getting inside out of that Bud, is that Bud was basically trying to backlog his minutes. And he thought that if all these guys were able to push in the fourth quarter that the bucks could win the fourth quarter and essentially win the game. What Mike Binolas didn't expect is that the bucks were lifeless in the third quarter. And at some point Mike Binolas should have adjusted out of that plan. And he didn't. And he had Giannis out of the off the court way too long in the second quarter. It seemed like forever since Giannis had been in the game in the second quarter. And there were moments where it felt like last year or the year prior where Bud was trying to bring everybody involved. He should have known that Bryn Forbes was off in this game and pulled Bryn Forbes out of the game. We've talked about this on countless shows before. Britton Forbes should not have played 22 minutes. Bryn Forbes should have played probably into the 10s if you know that Bryn Forbes is off. He was off all game. Um, Jeff Teague getting 14 minutes was way too min- too much, Jeff Teague, and I understand they're trying to find a Dante Divincenzo replacement, and I think that's part of this issue. But Jeff Teague isn't that guy, all right. Like I understand Jeff Teague for maybe the final minute of a quarter, just giving a guy a breather and letting sort of an extended break for a holiday or a Middleton, but that's the only time we should be really seeing Jeff Teague 14 minutes for Jeff Teague is far too many Bobby Portis was all right but he wasn't he was good not great I mean six points seven rebounds okay 17 minutes fine but I would have even bumped Bobby's minutes up more if if anybody should be bumped up more it should be Bobby the Bucks should have been pounding the paint with Brook Lopez with Giannis Antetokounmpo and and Bobby Portis and those three guys should have been just monsters in the paint. Brook Lopez did not get the ball enough. That's more on the team. That's another thing where you could blame the teammates, and not the coach. But I won't go back there. We already we already talked about that. We already cleared the air there. Mike Budenholzer just needs to be better. He can't he can't overthink himself. And I think what happened was it was a combination of two things. I think one he's trying to find the right combinations with Dante Divincenzo out, and then number two. The Harden thing, I think, made him sort of... It fucked with his game plan. He's like, well, should we go back to what we did in the regular season without Harden? Like, should we just kind of pull back a little bit? Should we try to see if these guys tire out and we can sort of make that final push? Look, Kyrie Irvin and Kevin Durant are not going to tire out in a playoff game. They are two of the best playoff performers of the last 20 years. There's no way that Kyrie Irvin or Durant would show fatigue and maybe, just maybe, they'll look fatigued come game five and game six. And we can point to this and say, well, because of game one, the Bucks look more than ready. There is no reason that Giannis, Holiday, Tucker, maybe not Tucker, but Middleton should all be in the 40s, 100%. Those guys should be in the 40s they should be playing a lot more. There's going to be a microscope under Bud. And trust me, Bud is going to have a lot of people watching minutes, understanding the, the experts here, the rotation experts are going to be out because this is now a, all right, this is a indicate, this is an indictment of Bud. This is why they lost game one. Now I'm not saying that's right because I've already made the case that it wasn't Bud's fault that the Bucks lost this game. Bud contributed to it. His game plan was bad. And they need to kind of throw that one out and say, all right, new game plan. We have to keep our guys on the floor as much as possible and play, play those kind of minutes for Durant and Irving. If someone wants to be more at the Blake Griffin 35, sure. But we need to keep these guys out there and playing with the star players to go tit for tat. The other part of it, and Murph, who I watched the game with on Saturday, was killing the Bucs for her, they played way too fast. They need to slow it down. Brooklyn wants to play an up-tempo, in-your-face, quick shots, get to the basket. That's what Brooklyn wants to do. That should not be Milwaukee's game. They should be deliberate. They should slow it down. And it's hard, right? When you're playing, when the other team's playing fast, you wanna play fast with them. You get into that track meet. But to get into a track meet was the wrong thing to do, and I will again assess that to Bud because Bud should be Bud's coached these guys long enough where he should say, guys, take it easy, no quick shots. Let's get to the basket. The Bucks should be trying to pound the paint every fucking time, and the the pull up threes by Giannis. And I know he made a couple, that should not happen, not in this series. Sure, take one or two just to kind of tell him he's there, but he should be attacking the lane. They should be rack attack every goddamn time. And if they're not, it's a problem because you're going to deal with the issue of, yeah, you missed 24 threes and lost this game. So I I do not like what Bud did rotation-wise. I thought it was a bad idea. I think he overthought himself with the Harden injury. I think he also sort of thought that he could win the fourth quarter and essentially come back. But the fact is, is the Bucks needed to remain level in that third quarter, and they didn't. And and he should have realized and should have been cognizant to say, all right, things are kind of falling apart here in the third quarter. I need to pull it together. I need to kind of have a, you know, a third quarter sort of change, right? I need to sort of refresh what I'm doing and make sure that all my guys are out there for the remainder of this game because that's how Brooklyn's playing it. I need to play it like that too. And he didn't, and that's that's on him. And I hope to God that this is not a just a repeat, and that Bud is now reverting to being Mari of basketball. Okay, and I know what I said in the in the open, and I was critical more of the team than I was the coach. I still know that Bud has his warts. Like I'm not ignorant. Okay. I'm not ignorant to the fact that Mike Booneholzer has some real significant playoff words and he's had some real significant playoff problems. We saw Doc Rivers today, right? I think Doc Rivers was Mike Booneholzer of the West. I told you guys that when Philly hired hired Doc, that no one gives Doc the same shit as, as Mike Booneholzer. Or I think I said he's Mike Booneholzer of better PR because that's true. Doc, Doc Rivers has had some playoff struggles in his day and Doc Rivers again struggled against Atlanta and so again, you ask yourself, right? You ask yourself, is this just who these coaches are? Can these coaches really sort of get out of their old ways and say, we have to do stuff differently? I hope to God that that is going to happen. But I will also encourage Bucks fans, and I know you guys aren't going to listen to me because I'm just one voice and I'm giving, to, giving you a podcast way later than I wanted to, that you just need to... Take everything with a grain, not a grain of salt, but don't just overreact right away in this first quarter uh, uh, in game two, okay? Can we just at least give it a half before we're like, all right, this is a complete disaster from Bud. Just take it easy, all right? That's what I ask because I don't think that you're going to get your full answer until the second half at least. As for the game tonight, it is a must win. I wrote that in SnowTapWI.com. I, at first, was going to come on this podcast. I was going to write about it. I was gonna be like, it's not a must win. They don't need to win this game. They, you know, hold serve at home. It's 2-2, and then it's a three-game series. Well, the data behind teams who win after being down 0-2 is not kind. Only 6.5% of teams have come back from being down 0-2 to win a series, and those who've done it, it, it first time it's happened since 2019, coincidentally enough, Bucks Raptors uh, with the Clippers series that just ended yesterday. Um, so that was you know it, w- the first one that has happened. It rarely happens twice in a in a year. It happened in 2005. It happened in 1994. It happened in 1993. But those are the oh and 2016. So it's only happened a few years where you've seen it happen multiple times. It seems like it happens once a year and that's that. Now I will say it is a different year. I don't know if you know this, but we were coming out of pandemic. The crowds aren't the same. The atmosphere is a little different. Um, the, The schedule being condensed is a little different. So there is this sense that it is a weird year. But I'm not willing to bank on that and just say, "All right, it's a weird year. The Bucks can hold serve, and then they can win Game Five or Game Six and, and get it done." I just don't want to put the, all those eggs in the basket. I, I just really do not. I don't think that's the right way to go. You win the game tonight, and then it's you have home court. Like you have home court the rest of the way. The next three out of four are at Milwaukee, and you have an ample opportunity to win the series and to kind of make your case. So that's why this game is so important. And yeah, it it is worrisome of that third quarter. But let's remember, the Bucs were down two heading into the second half. They played a really good first quarter. Second quarter was subpar, but they battled back and they made it, they were only down two at halftime. So I'm not ready, and they've beat this Brooklyn team twice. They haven't beat them in Brooklyn, they're 0-2 there. They need to figure out broke Barclays a little bit. They need, they obviously, the, the rims, it just, the shots weren't falling. I think it was a bad night. I think it was just a bad night for the Bucs all around. I think it was Bud. I think it was the team. I, I think the fact that now you'll play tonight, it's a, you only had a day off. You're gonna be fresh. You're gonna be ready to go. And maybe, which would be coincident, maybe the Durant, 40 40 minutes Kyrie 45 minutes is going to be more of a game two issue than a game one issue we'll have to see I'm not expecting a blowout I'm not expecting the Bucks to just light the world on fire like they did in the last game too I expect this one to be close I expect it to go down to the wire and I do think the Bucks are going to win this game I I feel good about it I feel like they can you know fit make you know this one happen and get, get this one solved for for Milwaukee, for the good guys, and the, and the Bucks will get it done. That does it for today's show. I know it's a short show. I know it's a little different. There's no other topics. I plan to do some Brewers and some Packers tomorrow, which will be tapping the keg. So here's what we are doing this week. We are doing tapping the keg 420 tomorrow, and it'll be Mitch and I just reacting in the moment to Bucks Nets. We'll get on the show at nine o'clock and him and I will talk for about, I don't know, 20 to 30 minutes. At some point, Mitch will pull the ripcord because he works pretty early in the day. So he can't do a full show, which I understand. So once Mitch pulls the ripcord, I was just gonna end the podcast. But since I didn't wasn't able to talk about the Brewers and the Packers, Brewers are not playing today. Uh, the Packers have, you know, whatever. Packers thing is gonna be kind of, it's evergreen. Let's just put it that way. Um, I'll talk about it after and be kind of a just me. So it'll be like kind of a tabbing the keg daily tap blend. Then I'll do the daily tap on for Wednesday and Thursday. And then on Friday, Mitch will come back for tabbing the keg, or for tabbing the keg 420.5. And then we'll do 25 to 30 on Bucks Nets game three. I don't really know if we'll if I'll have stuff to talk about after the fact I may and that'll be the same concept and then that'll be our friday show So we're kind of going to do this reacting in moment Um, and then I don't know 421 we might do a full show After the sunday game, uh, mitch and I will see how we like this We'll see how the views are for this. We'll see how the listens are if you guys have any ideas We're, we're more than happy to listen to them, but that's kind of what we're going to do next week Um, so thank you. Sorry that this is a short show. Sorry that this gets up late um it was a bad time management by your boy so i apologize for that hope you guys are gonna have a good monday and go bucks and we will uh we'll talk to you monday night with mitch and i doing tab in the keg all right take care guys have a good one bye